Welcome everyone to Black Coffee and Theology. One thing I can tell you from growing up in like coastal California whiteness is everyone wants a black girl to be their best friend. Everybody. Everyone, they want to live that 1990s romantic comedy, sassy black girlfriend like stereotype in their life. Right. And there is a long time when I, I, that was who I was because that was all I saw and that was all I understood of like my own blackness and my own Asianness. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, if you are saying that you're deconstructing and you are in relationship with me, but you're not tackling this, then Booba, you have objectified me. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Hey. <laughs> I hope that you all are doing well and that your soul is prospering. And on today's pod, I have Camille Hernandez. And uh, I just want to say that uh, Camille is such a blessing to my life. And since we recorded this pod way back at the start of season two, we have become even closer friends. And Camille is such uh, a wonderful poet and writer. She does theology out in the open where we all can engage. And yes, just a blessing. And she has a new podcast that we didn't reference in this conversation, Abolition as Resurrection. And that is its own beautiful venture that you can dig into. And uh, I'm going to have links to that in the show notes. But yeah, I, I just have really enjoyed her work. And hopefully you can get into this conversation where we talk about deconstructing from the mar- margins and just continuing to unpack the theme of who is God to us now. And this is going to be part one of our talk. So sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the pod. And I'm joined by Camille. Welcome. <laughs> we've, we've already been laughing, uh, chatting it up <laughs> before the recording started. So welcome, everybody. <laughs> so Camille, I listen, I'm so happy for the conversation to take place. And I'll say a bit uh, before I have you uh, say something about yourself. I don't know when we first connected on Twitter, but I, listen, all of my interactions with you have either been super funny or very thoughtful. And there, there is not a lot in between. Like, no, no, no. You have to work in, you have to work in polar opposites. <laughs> they're, they're either extremely hilarious. And, and I don't know where we got caught up in this flow, but immediately I felt like, okay, I got to keep tabs on this sister friend. Um, and, um, and here we are today. Um, 
in over the past, I would say probably year or more in the Twitter, even, Twitter yeah. streets. I, I, I think it's been beautiful because again, as I say often, people say that get offline and get into the real world and make connections with people. I have made some of the most genuine connections with people online and it is all about how you carry yourself. And I have been truly impacted by one, your authenticity, two, how committed you are to rail against um, <laughs> white supremacy, <laughs> Christianity that does not honor uh, one's being and mm -hmm and just bring your full self to the table, right? So thank you for how you show up. <laughs> thank you. Oh my yeah. God, that really touched me. Thank you so much. You know, it's the biggest, the biggest compliment that I can receive is, I don't know when we became friends, but I feel like we've been friends for a long time. Yes. And I true. feel like you said that and that yeah. just, it's like my purpose in life yeah. is, is to make that happen. Yeah. And uh, I've also been blessed and I, I've, I've said this already in the intro to this, but you had a podcast uh, devotional uh, series, mm -hmm. limited series, and I'm wholly peer pressuring you um, <laughs> <laughs> for more and more and more and more um, for Advent. Um, and that really blessed me. And I'm going to have links to that in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that series blessed me. And uh, my favorite one was with uh, our sister Rose J. Percy, because you mm. all, there was a lot of laughter in that, uh, in that particular episode. And I mean, a lot of laughter. There was. <laughs> I, that was an episode where I, I think like three quarters through recording it, I forgot that we were recording. <laughs> And I was like, like in my mind, I was like, oh shoot, we're recording. I need to wrap this up. And then I, there was a moment when I was like, no, I don't. No, it'll, it'll end. It'll conclude when it needs to conclude. You with Rose, tell. it was such an easy, it was such a fun and easy conversation. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. It was genuine. So tell us a bit about yourself. What's important to you, how you show up in the world. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, um, I am black and Filipina. So I just think um, the way, one way that I show up in the world is that <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm Blasian, I'm mixed. And I, there's a lot of microaggressions with being mixed. I feel like um, we're in, we're in this world where there are like the mixed race population is, is just growing faster than any other ethnic population. Um, and the problem is that when it comes to like mixed race representation, it's usually like white and BIPOC and um, I'm black and Filipino, my husband's Mexican. So there's like no white people that we want to claim in our ancestry. I, although like when my husband, I get like when my husband, and I fight sometimes I'll be like, oh, is the conquistador going to come out? Like I got so confrontational about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever, he married me. Um, but yeah, so um, when I show up, I show up as somebody who is fully a BIPOC woman, um, who is mixed and that there's a lot of, there's a lot of power in that. Um, and being able to say, yeah, I, I inhabit both spaces all the time. 
um, my, I live a life of like perpetual nuance because it's normal for me to go back and forth between cultures. Um, and it's normal for me to mix, to blend both cultures and, and, and know the best and the worst of it and try to navigate through. So that's someone that's who I am. That's how I stand in the world, I guess. But on, on top of that, there's also like, I am fiercely dedicated to justice and liberation and and compassion for people. And that motivation, um, I think it just stems from being able to have been mentored and guided by some amazing activists. Um, and I, I currently live in Orange County, which is, you know, it's like super white. (laughs) It's really interesting to be who like fully who I am in the spaces that I inhabit because I don't, I don't play and I don't waste my time. And I, I've spent too much time doing that. So, um, I've had a couple of friends comment that there's like a level of like compassion, but also impatience with me. Like I'll have compassion for people. Um, and I, I am very kind and I'll extend kindness, but the moment my, like the moment they see my impatience <laughs> come out is the moment they're like, Oh, okay. Now, like now Camille's going to hold you accountable. Um, and I love, I love being able to I love being able to check people, hold them accountable because to me it's, it's advocacy. And I'd want the same thing for myself. Like if we're going to love people, then we got to learn how to, we got to love people. There's no, there's no work around it. And yeah, that's, I guess that's, that's just who I am. I'm also a poet. I'm a reluctant poet. You are. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. It's funny The last, so before this year I dedicated myself to sharing a haiku every day because it, I love writing haikus and I, I have written them every day for the past three years, but I hadn't shared them. Um, but before that, the last time I think I shared a poem was like, uh, Easter of last year. So there is this period of time that I was wrestling inside and a lot of it had to do with my own healing journey and trusting my voice. Um, to be able to share publicly what is like scribbled in notebooks and on post-its in my house. Yeah, I, I love your writing. <laughs> um, and recently you've been stepping out and sharing more of these haikus. And I just all of a sudden you flipped the switch one day. I was like, okay, we're in haiku land. Okay. Welcome. Welcome to Haiku Land. Welcome to Camille's Haiku (laughs) Corner. Okay. And I'm here for it. Um, Subscribed. And I love it personally. And um, and personally, uh, start that sub stack. Um, (laughs) That's a that's a little asterisk. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) moving right along. Um, Okay. (laughs) But uh, so part of this conversation I want to ground us is um, continuing this conversation, uh, this season that I, I've been I've been centering all of the conversations around this theme of who is God to us now, mm-hmm. and really wanting to take the whole season to talk to mostly BIPOC. Uh, people about 
uh, deconstruction, but really divesting from doing it from away from the white gaze, away okay. from centering uh, white voices. And of course, white siblings, white cousins, y'all will be both in the room and I'll have some, I'll have white people on the pod, but I want to say that so often de deconstruction of the Christian faith has majored on talking to white siblings to the point that it doesn't resonate uh, almost at all with people of color. <laughs> um, and I've noticed mm -hmm. to the point where not only are we not in the room, I mean, we're not even in the town. <laughs> the issues don't relate to us. We're not asking the right questions. Our concerns aren't uh, there. And so when I, when I thought of season two of my podcast, I thought, I don't even want to do a series. I want to ground the whole uh, season in who is God to us as people of color mm -hmm. and how have we evolved in our thinking? How have we evolved in the way that we, we relate to God in our story? Mm -hmm. And so it's in that space that I wanted to talk to you because I've seen even in the past year or two, uh, you've had so much evolution in just the way that you share yourself in how you've embodied your faith, how you've embodied your womanhood, mm -hmm. how you've talked about being a BIPOC uh, person. And I would just, I want to get into some of that nuances in your theology and how that interplays with your justice work mm -hmm. and how you see that. And so, yeah, just want to get into some of those crevices, <laughs> get into it. Um, so, yeah. So just opening that a bit of that conversation, how do you see God now? Uh, that's a big question, but uh, I know you came out of very uh, limiting spaces uh to, for for lack of a better yes. term <laughs> that constraint <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> say it <laughs> and then but who is god to you now mm. i love that question that just made me so tender just say asking that question like that just, I, mm. Mm, I love that so um i i can answer this question in a story mm. And it was, it was years ago. It was when I was still in, like entrenched in the world of evangelicalism. I was in, I was driving and I was contemplating something. I was contemplating art because I love creativity. I love art. And I, it, it, it was like a call and response from God. It, it was incredible. So I was driving and I was saying like, in my mind, I was like, okay, well, art is the exploration of the infinite. And in my consciousness, like I heard, I heard, I heard the voice of God and God had so clearly said, but I'm infinite. So all creativity is the exploration of me. Listen, <laughs> Let me a tell whole you word. a whole on the 91 freeway driving to Los Angeles. Like that was the, that was, that was just a life-changing moment that I've held on to. 
I've held on to it. I've held it loosely. I've let it go. Um, and it still surprises me now that I had it. I had that word during the time that I was in evangelicalism, not that like my relationship to evangelicalism gave me that word. It was actually one of the forces that helped me very slowly realize that I was in a repressive place because, Mm. um, everything had to be cookie cutter. Everything had like holiness was, was very restrained. So Mm. it was, you know, dress a certain way or worship had to look a certain way. I would, I would often ask like, can we do like an art gallery or like, can we do like some sort of like creativity, not just in the church that I was in, but also in, um, the spaces that I was in, like non-church spaces that were still rooted in evangelicalism that I was inhabiting. And the answer was no, or ask the pastor or we'll think about it. Right. So there was no, there's really no exploration. Um, and once I finally left, I, I got to this point where I was like, oh, that I needed that conversation then to get me to now. Um, and now my relationship to God is it, it's expansive. And I write a lot about expanding, but when I think of God, I think of having the capacity to explore the infinite, to be unbound. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've done it in a lot of ways, but the medium that I say I'm a reluctant poet because I didn't really trust myself or my voice with my poetry, but um, with the help of my mentor, Alicia, who basically was like, you need to stop playing. <laughs> I, I realized it's, it is a gift to be able to explore the infinite that is God through words and to like uh, so much of being a person who leads healing spaces and does trauma healing is you invite people to own new language and isn't that beautiful isn't it beautiful to do it with poetry yeah I listen (laughs) I I love that because what it's what it's lending itself to is expanding our concept of the divine which you would think would be the reach of every christian right like yeah. you know and and i i'm thinking of this Catherine keller quote where uh, she talks about theology is this truth driven quest mm-hmm. and it's that quest part that causes my heart to come alive Uh, because God is not something that can be dominated, colonized. And sometimes when I was in evangelical spaces, it felt like, yo, we're trying to colonize everything, including God, (laughs) you know, uh, (laughs) here, I put my flag in the ground. I I can figure it out. And it felt like theology was uh, a group of boxes that we could tick off and that we could compartmentalize and say we conquered. But the older I get, I actually get more unsure of God. And I don't feel scared in that place. I feel more alive and more mystified. And poetry is one of the ways that I find the entrance into that mystery. Mm -hmm. Um, And that mystery causes me to explore more that truth-driven quest 
doesn't cause me to be arrogant. It doesn't cause me to want to smash other people who don't know you don't know it like I know it. You yeah. know, you don't know God the way I be knowing <laughs> God. Look at you, you plebeians, um, yeah. <laughs> which is who I used to be. Yeah. Right. Like it's who I used to be thinking, mm, look at them over there in that denomination or look at them over there. I got to go conquer them. AKA mm-hmm. evan- evangelizing. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to get another notch on my belt. Um, <laughs> And now I'm caught up in this unfolding uh, of being caught up in this this flow of wanting to know more and never getting quite there. Mm -hmm. And, but I love this place. So I love what you're sharing personally. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, there's the the idea that there's a a platform or like a plateau to knowing God is it's just it's one step towards cruelty because once someone claims that they know who God is then it's it's a system of control and I'm Mm, I'm say more about that the cruelty part the cruelty so like um I was talking to somebody who's he's a community psychologist and um he was explaining um whiteness as a God complex that whiteness, um, and I'm paraphrasing this really loosely, but um, when when BIPOC folks, colonized folks uprise, right? What do we see right afterwards? We see white retaliation, um, whether it is physical violence, whether it is relational violence or institutional violence, we get, we are facing retaliation because whiteness as a complex doesn't want to, um, they don't want to repent. They don't want to admit their faults. And I keep on thinking of like, what's that sermon? So I'm not someone who went to seminary, I went to like the exact opposite of seminary, which is why I'm like, when people call me a public theologian, I'm like, I don't think you understand how funny that is to me. Um, but I I like I um think of what sinners in the hands of an angry god yes and and people like people will hold on to that they still hold on that sermon and they say it that's the character of god and I I sit there and I'm like I don't think you understand that like that's it's not the character of God. It's the character of the God complex that your culture holds. Like your culture, the whiteness of your culture is so violent and so retaliation based. Whoever created that isn't talking about God. He's, he's actually like, he needs to go to therapy. I know he's dead, but like, they're like, that person needs to be therapized because they can't disentangle the wrath of God from their own generational wrath you know, you're saying some things, first of all, because Jonathan Edwards, yeah, whatever that. his name is. <laughs> and uh, it's funny how we, okay, so <laughs> let's get into it. We, so you talked about the cruelty piece, right? Yeah. Um, and that certainty in that bridge towards cruelty, C to C. 
um, C to shining C. Huh? Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, it's a manifest destiny for me. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> um, so you are saying things. Uh, but it's funny how we can accept the theology of slave apologists and mm-hmm. slave owners almost without any pushback like no, no questioning because to them it's like like it is basic theology right it is- yeah it's basic it's the baseline and okay yeah let's let's spit out the bones of the slave apology and they were men of their times but oh. isn't it funny all the hoops that people of color in our day and in our time have to go through to be considered re- reputable mm-hmm. um you just did a silent dig at yourself uh, being considered a public theologian. Why? Because what I've noticed is even when people go through all the hoops to get um, the degrees, they're still considered heretics who are people of color. Yeah. So it's interesting. And by interesting, I mean nauseating Mm. that we can easily accept the baseline theology of slave owners and slave apologists but dr james cone is a heretic yeah and pretty much every person of color no matter if they get the y'all if we get the degrees it doesn't matter because we're still heretics so for me i have no problem calling you a public theologian because you do theology you study the word you have a relationship with god um and you're out there in the world. Um, y'all, <laughs> the, the markers that we have to measure theologians uh, mm-hmm. are faulty in this. That's why I did a, a whole episode on markers of theologians because it's interesting that <laughs> the lines that we draw are so interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we can't denounce Jonathan Edwards (laughs) and other uh, people because sinners in the hand of an angry God. Well, there's some good things in there. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, um, I mean, that goes back to my accountability where I'm like, I don't like, I am a growing person. So if I say something that is wrong, tell me so I can understand how to grow. Exactly. But that is, I mean, that is not a context that so much of people christianity westernism is is willing to admit it's like no we'll just take the good with the bad because that is because at least there's good in there and for me it's like no you hold the whole person accountable there will be good but if they haven't grown then 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 there really was no goodness it was just ego mm. Mm. and and i i i believe that watching people is is a whole con- contemplative practice like we I, I don't, I don't hold you. It would be rude of me to hold you as you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead of me being able to walk with you, discern with you, learn from you, check for like, check you, have you check me. Right. It's relationship. And that's another part of the image of God for me is if God is three persons, then that means that the image of God is community. So I need you and you need me. And, and un- there's a lot of people that I don't want. And I often say like, you know, Jesus says, 
in my father's house, there's many rooms. I cannot tell you how many times I've told people like, look, your room is in heaven is like an eternity away from my room. But I still recognize that like we are, we are kindred. We just have our rooms in this kingdom and this palace. They ain't close. Black Coffee and Theology Pod is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. Follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. If you like the content that you are receiving here and want to receive more, whether that is in longer conversations, essays, devotions, and videos from either myself, Sam, or Trey, please sign up for for our Patreon at patreon.com slash three black men. Don't forget to like, rate, and review Black Coffee and Theology Pod as well as Three Black Men.